Hello, listeners. When you hear the word robot, what comes to your mind? Is it a piece of hardware or something in the cloud? In this episode of our podcast, we will talk about what's on the horizon for work and how digital robots can be a part of that. I'm joined by Nikki and Sissy, who will share their thoughts on how our life can be improved by automating certain things in our job roles. I'm excited to share this conversation with you and hope you will enjoy it. Hi, Nikki and Sissy. Thank you for being on the podcast today. Uh, I'm delighted to have you here as our guest. And for our listeners out there that don't know you, can you please introduce yourselves? Sure thing. Uh, well, thanks uh, for having us. Um, I'm uh, Sissy Renkers. Uh, I work in the Deloitte tax and, uh, tax and legal practice um, for some time now. Um, uh, I started off as a trainee, uh, but currently I'm focusing uh, on environmental tax. Um, but next to that, I'm also an, uh, an RPA developer, uh, which, uh, which stands for Robotic Process Automation. Um, so what we basically do with RPA is uh, using a software um, and you, um, yeah, by using this software that we um, interpreted um, uh, existing applications and uh, automate processing and data manipulation and uh, those kind of stuff uh, across uh, various uh, IT systems. Nice, Sissy. That sounds really high tech, right? <laughs> Already. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, thanks for having us indeed, Adriana. Uh, my name is Nikki van Deurding. I am a part of the tax management consulting team uh, within Deloitte Tax and Legal. Um, I've been a part of Deloitte for over eight years now. I started as a student as well and um, did some working besides my study program. And I really like the organization. Um, Quite quickly, I kind of had a feeling that I wanted to do more than just taxes and tax management consulting really offered me that opportunity to learn more besides taxes and also to really assess a tax matter from a process perspective. And that's also where um, through an innovation initiative, the RPA topic came into play. Um, and right now I'm the strategic lead of the RPA Center of Excellence within Tax and Legal and um, yeah, we've trained a lot of people. Um, I also started over five years ago almost. Uh, and uh, yeah, we've been very enthusiastic about it to say the least. Well, thank you ladies for sharing that. Uh, it all sounds uh, very awesome. And it's great to also see that you are working uh, in tech. Uh, you represent women in tech and that you also uh, tie that to tax, which is usually something quite complex for a lot of people to understand and digest. And it's always a little bit of a hassle to complete all of that, right? But, um, you know, in regards to what we want to talk about today, uh, which is work, and I'm very excited to talk about that and how it is continuously evolving and changing over time and what is happening exactly in regards to it. Because Work is a big part of our adult life, right? And what is happening there can have a direct impact on us and how we feel or how we um, do certain things. So my first question to you would be, what are some of the biggest trends or changes that you are seeing uh, that are taking shape in the way we work or when we think about our job responsibilities? 
Uh, well, speaking uh, as an RPA developer, <laughs> what I think um, uh, is, an, is an important trend is that we focus more on putting things in an uh, effective manner. Um, so so uh, not only automating things, but also a standardized uh, or, or way of working so that we can actually focus on what we're trained to do. Uh, rather than doing the, the the hideous stuff and indeed what you already said it's uh, it's so much it's such a big part of our life um and indeed um, over 40 hours uh, 40 hours a week is a lot of time to put in uh, but you also want to make the make the best out of it and you don't want to constantly be doing that hideous uh, and and those annoying uh, tasks um so yeah as, a, as an rpa developer uh, i see indeed that the trend is more towards uh, putting it uh, all those uh, all those tasks to put that aside and uh, automate those uh, those processes. Yeah, and I think it's it's there are several layers to this. I would say um, because there is of course the the person that starts working within an organization. They have a fresh perspective mm-hmm. and they usually come across a process that um, is not always executed in the most efficient or effective manner. So. There's a lot of opportunity there for those people to take a look at what we're doing and to improve it. And I think what we've really created within the tax and legal function, at least, is this open culture where you can improve aspects to the way of working. Um, one example, of course, is as Sissy just mentioned uh, through RPA. Um, but we also really saw that the way that we can allow people to better understand technology through RPA really gives them more of an enabled future to think of how they can use other technology as well. So RPA in that sense really was kind of a first step to allow people to investigate what they could do with technology. Some of them even liked it that much that they wanted to continue working with it and building robots. Whereas some people really use robots to make their daily life better. For example, Uh, Nobody thinks that when they've gone through this really difficult bachelor's and master program that they're going to be copying numbers from one Excel file to another or that they're just going to do invoicing all day. That's not really fun. Um, Of course, there are some people that think it's really fun, (laughs) but in general, that's not really what people are looking for when they start to work because they want to apply the knowledge that they started to gain during their studies and they want to keep learning. Mm -hmm. Um, So to really have them being able to add value, you need to remove those redundant activities and to make sure that humans do what they are good at and then the computers can do what they are good at, which is in essence, you know, moving data from one Excel to a database or copying Excel files or sending out a lot of emails that are always the same based on a certain pattern. So I think that's really what we're trying to do and something that we kind of lived through um, during our time at Deloitte. And that's really also how we now see the future of work taking a central position in this, that the work that we are doing right now is going to be different in over the course of the next years even. It's going to change pretty dramatically, um, but we should really mm-hmm. focus on understanding what humans are good at and how we can make sure that the stuff that we don't really like generally can be done by computers or other entities. So um, I have a question that I want to ask in regards to this. Um, as you mentioned, probably it's a very good idea to have 
people deliver value on the things that they are really good at and also automate uh, some of the processes that take quite a lot of time and maybe are a bit tedious or we don't necessarily like to do. Where or how should we determine um, when we need to start to automate some things? Or how should we say that, okay, in our day-to-day -day job, we have 10 things that we're doing and we like uh, one out of those 10. So we want to focus on that one, but for those other nine, we need to figure out a way to make them better. Um, how do we know which one out of those nine we can automate and where it would be more valuable to do that? So what would be you know, some guidelines uh, that you have in regards to that? This is a really good question, right, Sissy? Uh, because I think this is kind of also the emotional roller coaster that usually answers this question. Um, I think the first message, message is really that if you are doing something and you're like, why am I doing this? This is stupid. Like there should be a better way of doing this. That's usually a really good indicator that it can be automated because humans generally don't like to do this. Um, and then I think the next step is, do you have the technical capabilities to assess whether it can be automated? Because I think something we come across quite often is people saying, you know, this is stupid. It should be automated. I don't want to do this, but usually the technology is not really there yet. Or, and I think that's also a really important one, the business case is not really there. Because if we're looking at, for example, unstructured data, um, then the computer will have to create a pattern to understand that data and to structure it for the next activities that can be automated. So in that sense, you will need to put in a lot of time and effort to also validate the pattern that the computer creates for you. So, and quite often people don't really, if you've never come across this, which is completely natural, of course, then you don't really see the repercussions of wanting to automate this. And that's why I think it's always good to discuss this with somebody who does have the technological baggage to show you what, how consequential the next steps were, be, were to be. Um, but I think apart from that, yeah, the most important thing is, do you like doing it? Uh, if the answer is no, and do you think that there should be a better way of doing it, then it's usually fit for automation. The question is only, is it fit for automation right now? Or should you wait a couple of years when the business case becomes more solid? But maybe, Sissy, you have experiences, right? Because I think you have a really good example of what this was like in your team. Definitely. Um, yeah, well, first of all, I think it's uh, not really a good sign if you don't, if you only like one of the 10 tasks you're doing. <laughs> Just uh, <laughs> so it, it's better uh, uh, than maybe to, to rethink your whole, uh, all the, the processes you're doing. Uh, but that, that's a topic for another time, maybe. <laughs> um, uh, but indeed, um, I, I also noticed uh, also within my team that. Um, uh, that that now I'm that now since I'm the, the RPA developer, uh, people uh, expect you to 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 work miracles or something. Uh, but indeed, what Nikki already mentioned that um, if if you're actually doing something that you don't like or that you're doing and you think okay, this takes me so much time and the outcome is not that much of a of a of a difference for, for at least for how you feel about it. Um, uh, and yeah, I think that that's the, the that's the great starting point from there. Uh, at least you, then you can discuss it. Uh, then you can both discuss the, the, the process itself. 
Uh, and what you also often see is that um, people think that that they have standardized some kind of way, so some some way of working, which is not always the case, um, because That's one true. person, yeah, probably does it uh, some other way, um, and that also can already help to uh, to actually make uh, make it better and make it more efficient. And um, to to also also rethink your your process you're already doing. So also a question to follow up on that: uh, Would you say that a very important stepping stone before automating something is to actually define a very good uh, journey in which a certain task or um, you know uh, something should work, and only after everyone agrees on those steps it should be automated, or can we start in a different way? Um, well, it, it could be, uh, but I think it indeed always uh, the start is to really understand the process you're doing. So doing actually step by step. Um, uh, and indeed a standardized process is always uh, a, a starting point to automate things because if it's not standardized, then it's probably not uh, not fit for, uh, for uh, automation. Um, but indeed, the first part uh, where you should really look at is uh, uh, every step that 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 you uh, that you take during the process. Yeah. yeah, but there's and I think that's that's a good point, right? Because so it's easier to automate a process that is standardized, um, especially for robots, because generally robots are pretty dumb. You know, they only understand always or never. They don't understand sometimes this happens, but then sometimes this happens, or maybe somebody will fill this in. That doesn't work for the robot. The robot needs really like black and white answers because computers think in ones and zeros. So the binary system needs to be attributed in the not or in the logic behind the process. I think that's usually what people struggle with because we don't, you know, we don't rationalize things in that manner. But when a process is standardized, it just helps to accelerate how fast you can automate. But we don't see it as a show software. So with a lot of clients, what we do is, but also internally, we don't want to kind of limit what automation can do. So what we'll quite often do, and I think that's also what makes an RPA developer very different from an actual developer, is that we also become part of the process assessment before we start automating so that we can also help the people that are executing this process understand what they are doing and how they can better standardize the process in such a way that they can hand over the activities that they don't like to the computer or the robot. And they can do the stuff that they do like about the process themselves, which generally is review of kind of these identified outliers. So I think in that sense, sometimes it helps to not have a standardized process because users will understand that this is what they need to do for the next process that they want to automate. So it's, it's really a learning journey almost. I mean, we're, we're talking about a lot of technical concepts right now, but a really big mm -hmm. part to RPA and it being a part of the future of work is the fact that this allows people to learn about technology, to understand technology, to experience it more firsthand. Yeah, and I think RPA okay. is, is a really uh, great first step to take and to better understand, indeed, uh, technology. Um, we often have this fear of the, of the unknown. Um, but 
by by actually doing RPA and uh, actually getting to to know a bit of the of the things and, and become an RPA developer, it's it's a really uh, low barrier, uh, I would say, and to get a better understanding of what what is indeed possible. Okay, and maybe just um, to also expand a little bit more on what RPA is or is not, um, so that we could make it clear for our audience. Every company that wants to scale uh, and grow in general probably needs to automate certain processes and needs to digitize their solutions and products and, and everything that they do. So if we think about that, you know, that is one part of the of the work that we want to do if we want to scale, right? Make sure that everything is digital. So where does RPA exactly come in? Because you're saying, you know, robots, processes, automation. How does this exactly connect? Maybe we can have uh, multiple options of automating things. And do we exactly need a robot for that? Or how does it work? That's always a good question because it should always be assessed before you start to robotize if there is a better out-of-the-box solution available to automate this. I think especially if you look at a process um, on, a, on a higher level where you see processes kind of starting to um, go across different departments and teams, that's when it can become too complex for RPA. RPA really is for the simple stuff with a very clear cut rationale behind it and clicking here, clicking there, and there's nothing that you can do within the system to automate it. Or, and I think that's also an important one, IT doesn't have the resources to build what is needed within the system. Because that's also something we see with clients. Something is needed right now and the robot can be live within a two week time frame. So that's where we see RPA mm -hmm. being a differentiator. I think how we are now viewing RPA from a technology perspective is not necessarily the perspective where you can automate everything and then save a load of time, because yes, that is how it started. But we've seen that RPA evolved over the years to becoming a tool for user adoption and change management within an organization. And in that sense, it's really become like a first step to digital transformation where you can start involving more people from a business perspective to start building robots, getting that experience, better understanding technology so that they can then start to focus on new technology and identifying processes that can be automated. RPA won't always be the answer to automate something, but it can definitely help you to see what you might want to automate and in what way. Okay, and if we think about RPA, do we need certain knowledge to get started with building something? And do we need to use certain software? Or can we do something custom? How does it usually work? Well, there are various types of uh, software uh, suppliers. Mm -hmm. And I think that uh, it might sound a bit easy, but the easiest way to start uh, is actually to start. Um, yeah. Usually, there's a, uh, you can download a free, uh, a free edition of, uh, of some kind of software. And um, yeah, if you just just start building something, something easy, something uh, yeah, just start start small. Uh, for example, navigating to mm -hmm. your favorite website and extract information from there, or um, uh, extract information from Excel you've created and put it in an email. So 
very small uh, steps uh, in building a robot. Um, and once you've once you've know if you actually like what you're doing and understand those steps, um, then you can maybe uh, uh, challenge yourself and do some kind of training. Uh, because often um, some uh, there are a lot of trainings available uh, for for various uh, RPA uh, uh, softwares. So I think yeah, that, that's the easiest way to start. Uh, actually, uh, download it for, for free and then uh, uh, just try if you like it. Yeah, and then start to work with the fun bots, right? The ones that we yeah. would build. I think we had one girl who um, who wanted to look for different dresses on the Biocorp. And then uh, she <laughs> built a robot that would kind of look for the right filters and open each of the tabs <laughs> so that she could assess if she liked them because it's not feasible to build inside your robot that it also has to check if the dress is nice right because that's just a matter of opinion um so i think that's uh that's a good way to start and because i think it can be daunting when you start with something like this i mean i especially in the beginning thought oh my god you know i'm kind of going through all these concepts i'm not really understanding what i'm i'm doing i'm kind of following the instructions and i think it comes with a lot of humility as well, because you know that there's this vast world out there where you don't really understand what you're doing, but you just need to practice to become better at it and start seeing the connections between what you're building and what the robot is doing. And I think in that sense, what I really liked about it is that at some point you start to be able to be very critical with actual developers as well. So, you know, I would always kind of laugh at the situation when I would say something to an actual developer and I'd be like, well, that's just how this works, right? Because it's other than they'll be like, oh yeah, you're right. It's like, well, <laughs> guess I learned something, huh? Yeah. So, so I think, yeah, once, it's, it's a journey. And once you get a taste of it, as you say, you probably can connect with people that do this on a daily basis, actually on a different level. And you get to understand each other's language probably better as well. <laughs> exactly, because you Definitely. become kind of this bridge person, right? Because you come from a perspective where you really didn't understand it. And then you have this client sitting across from you or a person that you work with. And they're kind of, they're kind of bearing their soul in a sense, because they will be very honest with you. And they'll say, I don't really understand this technology. And you can really help them by explaining how you went through that process. And I think that's ultimately what was really valuable about this process for me, at least. And um, I think, Sissy, you kind of went through something similar, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, in the beginning, it's indeed super overwhelming. And uh, uh, I already worked with, with Nikki uh, a few times and she was already building robots uh, uh, three years before me. So uh, um, she was always the, the person uh, that, that, know, that knew everything. <laughs> So it was kind of overwhelming to also start with uh, with RPA um, because indeed I'm a tech specialist. I have no background in ICT whatsoever. Um, I was actually happy when I started Deloitte to merge cells and uh, <laughs> do anything in uh, uh, in Excel, uh, which even sums uh, or are using formulas. It was um, that was for me already this barrier to uh, uh, to overcome. But I was very curious about all new things. And I, I think also, uh, especially with, uh, with the future of work, um, technology is a really big part of it. So I was really eager to learn more about it, even though I didn't know anything. Um, so I actually mentioned it to a lot of people that I really want to get, well, yeah, learn something about technology, but I really didn't know where to start. 
Um, uh, so I talked uh, uh, to a lot of people about it, uh, but actually, yeah, taking that step was a bit of a, a bit of a hassle for me. But yeah, at, at one point, um, an opportunity came up, uh, and uh, the partner uh, within my team asked me if I was uh, if I was open to it to actually uh, do a business case and uh, become an RPA developer. And immediately said, "Yes, I want to do this." <laughs> So yeah, I just uh, just prior to our sprint, I also downloaded the, the RPA uh, software, and I just started off just to get a hang of it and to to understand a bit of what it actually is because I had no clue, and it's helped me uh, so much. And I thought, okay, why haven't I done this uh, this earlier? Because it would have made things so much easier because then they actually know what you're doing, and uh, and it's yeah, the barrier seems so high, but it actually isn't. Yeah, that's so, crazy, right? And I think it's also important, we we always do this in pairs as well. So when we train new RPA developers, um, because I remember, as Sissy said, I remember when we kind of started with this and there really weren't that many specialists yet. So it was a lot of Googling and kind of trying if something works. So you just have to try uh, because you have to make it work. Um, But I think what we really wanted to bring into this is um, having a community that you can fall back on and being able to discuss this with people and then kind of bounce off of one another to get the best idea and the best solution of what you want to build. So when we build a robot uh, within the, the sprint timeframe that we do, uh, we always build it in pairs and we usually link up a new developer with uh, a more senior developer who already has some experience so that there's always knowledge transfer. And when we do this with clients, this is also a really important part of what we do because we do want to hand over the knowledge to clients as well, because that will make it easier for them to understand what the robot is doing and to support it in the future. So it really works well in that sense. And it becomes more of a personal journey as well, rather than it just being work and automating stuff. Yeah, and that's true. And and also with this setup, then you really notice that the learning curve is, is very steep. Uh, so even if you start out as a total noob, then in the in the end you actually become an expert. And now I'm a, I'm considered the nerd of my team, which for me is a very uh, high compliment. <laughs> well, it's very great to hear that you actually have this personal experience that you can relate to uh, and actually can share with other people because you started maybe with a less technical background and having no knowledge about RPA or how to automate, you know, anything. Um, and then you had a learning curve. Um, because you had the ambition and also the desire to learn um, and to do these things. And you have results that you can show and they can speak up for the progress that you have made. So that's amazing to see. And you touched uh, upon an important subject, which is uh, the human factor and how you work in teams. And I know when a lot of people think about the future and digitizing stuff and automating uh, certain operations and things, probably a lot of people are concerned to or about what is going to happen to my job or how will this evolve in the future if everything becomes very digital or automated? How does that look five or 10 years down the line? And For some people, it might be uh, a bit scary because they don't know what the future holds. I think that's always scary. We don't know. (laughs) But, you know, you've seen this work in practice and you have already um, some time that you have been doing this for. So 
what are your thoughts on this? Is this something people should be concerned about? How how does it look from your perspective? How do you see it? Are you concerned, Sissy? Um, <laughs> well, I, I, I was at first um, because indeed um, there's always this constant fear of people losing their jobs and, and it has uh, such a big impact on, uh, um, uh, on the way we work. Uh, but to be honest, for me, it only... <laughs> Is it's helping me to get more work than less work, uh, especially since you're, uh, and, and it also makes your work more fun. Um, at least that's what I'm personally experiencing. Um, you actually do what you are trained to do, uh, what you like to do, and all those, those tasks, uh, hopefully not nine out of 10, but maybe something like that, maybe half, half of the tasks that you don't like, uh, you can actually transfer that in something that is fun uh, by using those kind of robots and actually yeah, focus on what you love to do. But indeed, it's always always good to have an, have an open discussion about it. Uh, but especially with RPA, uh, I really don't, don't think uh, it's, uh, it's really a, a fear that is, uh, I think it's, it's a fear that is there, uh, but it's uh, not, yeah, it's, it's not really an, a threat to, uh, to most jobs. Yeah. yeah, and it's, it's it's yeah, it's mainly about adding value to what you're doing rather than taking over your job. Yeah, I think what we're seeing for most jobs is that robots really aren't a threat because they're way dumber than people. So they can't do a lot of things that are really important uh, for people because also people that work in call centers, for example, is the human factor in that is really important that you are able to connect with the person that you're speaking to. There's a a couple of organizations that are so good and. You know, I'll call them up and be really mad because I didn't get my package. And they are really able to de-escalate the situation. They're so good at connecting with you just through voice. So I think that's really impressive. That's something a computer or a robot at least won't be able to do. Of course, there is other technology that can seem threatening to people. Uh, I think it's all... Be, if you would better understand how technology works, and I have it with my, you know, my, my home speaker, I'll say that it has to do something and it won't work. That's, you, that's probably my fault because I'm not saying it correctly for the speaker to understand it. Whereas knowing what I know right now, there's also people that will blame the speaker because they'll say, ah, technology, it never works. Never works when I need it to. So I think that's really where I see the added value for RPA come in. It will help us as people to better understand our roles within an organization, within our home life, within the world almost, and to really see how we as people can differentiate ourselves and have the computers do the stuff that we don't really like to do. And in that sense, I think it also, of course, sounds, sounds a bit daunting maybe that you have to learn a lot of additional skills that what you're doing right now isn't good enough. I don't think that that's what we're saying. I think just that there's a really cool opportunity for you there to, to do kind of shed off the traditional expectations and to, to start learning for yourself and to see what you are interested in. Okay. So I think for myself and also our listeners, um, what we can take as uh, homework after this podcast is to maybe take a look at the tasks or the things that we are doing on a daily basis, figure out 
which ones we don't like. Hopefully that's not nine out of 10, but actually less of a number. <laughs> and then try to download uh, one of these softwares to see how it works and try to give it a, yeah, to give it a try and see if we can uh, implement a robot for this. And uh, I think it's fun because it's uh, also these digital robots, right? Because yeah. people usually think about a robot in a physical form. But this is something that exists out there in the cloud and is just doing something for you to help you with the work. And I really liked the idea that you shared that we can automate things and focus on delivering value with our creativity and for the things that we actually really like. Because probably there's a lot of situations when people get daunted with so many things that they have to do and they don't have fun at work, which is very important to do. Yeah, if we try to combine these things, maybe it uh, frees up more time in our workday to actually deliver uh, stuff that brings us fun and to work on those things. I mean, I really agree. I'm still kind of hoping for like maybe a four-day work week or a three-day work <laughs> week even. I'm not, if you look at history, I don't really think that we're going to go there because for some reason, the more we've automated and, and improved, the more work we actually got. Um, but I really hope that we're going to be able to find a balance at some point in the future where we can really kind of hand off the stuff that we don't really like to the technology, the computers, the robots, you know, do it for us. Maybe even the, the physical robots, because I always, I'm always happy when I see a robot because I just think that's funny. Um, but then really start doing the things that we, because I think that's also something that we've seen now in the past year, year and a half almost, it's really important to be connected to family and the people around you that you care about. And this is really something that will allow you to do that. So, and I think that's also, of course, something we do, Sissy, right? We, we teach kids at, at elementary schools that this is something that they can already start learning. So we'll take these Lego robots to elementary schools and we'll also give them the RPA computer. And first, they always want to play with the Lego robots because, of course, they know Lego. That's kind of the age group that they still think Lego is okay and it's still kind of cool. And they start building it. They're just amazed at what they, at what they built because it's like they've unlocked this crazy new skill. So I think that's where, you know, this is, you're kind of seeing it. It's, it's, it's just becoming more important. And it's, it's something that can really allow you to step out of your comfort zone and feel empowered. And it's also fun that indeed with, with children, you always see it um, like in the purest form because they, if they are happy with something that they, they've achieved or if they're proud of what they, what they've done or what they made, and then it's super intense. Um, well, uh, us grownups uh, usually, uh, uh, well, we, we down it, well, we downgraded a bit or something, uh, or at least we, uh, we say it's, uh, it was indeed fun, uh, but that's basically it. And it's fun to also see that with, with the children, but then see it in a, in a, a broader perspective and also see it in an extreme form. But it actually happens to, to us when we, uh, when we also um, uh, build our robots. Uh, because you you actually made something work from out of nothing, something you you didn't like the work you, um, yeah the, the work that you thought okay this can this must be uh, there must be an easier way there, and that in the end you are able to actually um, have a process in place what is uh, fully done by uh, by a computer and it's all done by a robot 
that also makes uh, makes us kind of uh, proud. <laughs> well, um, so I think I'm just going to download the software and start building some robots to have fun. And uh, I'm looking forward to maybe reaching out to you if I have any questions in regards to this. And uh, hopefully you will be able to tell me uh, what am I doing well or what uh, can I improve <laughs> in regards Definitely. to my robot of the future. <laughs> and I would like to thank you for taking the time to uh, chat with us today and to share your knowledge with our audience. I think uh, they will be excited to try it out and to see what happens in their work. Very cool. Thank you for the invitation. And uh, of course, if you have any questions, let us know. And I would say that the core of this really is that um, it's not about robots, but it's about the people. Totally agree. And thank you indeed for having us. And um, it's okay if you don't know anything when you start off, just, uh, just start. <laughs> Great. Well, thank you. And um, we will see our audience in the next episode.